Hello and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. This is Beth Chase, your host for today's broadcast. Back in the studio today is Dr. Susan Rutherford, the President and Medical Director of 3W, a medical clinic providing free reproductive health services for women in the Seattle area. Welcome back, Sue. Now, I know that you've been very eager to talk about this subject, so let's get right to it. So what are we going to talk about today? Today we're talking about preeclampsia, and the reason is that May 22nd has been designated World Preeclampsia Day by a collaboration of many international maternal health organizations. So we figure this is timely. It is timely. First of all, well, let's just start with what is preeclampsia? So that's actually an interesting question because many years ago there was a condition called toxemia. Actually, they're the same thing. But that's an outdated term. We don't use that anymore. So then it became preeclampsia. And the reason it's called preeclampsia is because the condition of eclampsia is having a seizure associated with the other medical findings that you have with preeclampsia, particularly high blood pressure. So, but there have been some other terms as well. Uh, The currently popular term among many people is gestational hypertension. But A number of years ago, there was a term pregnancy-induced hypertension. So basically, these terms are virtually interchangeable, and even even the national specialty organizations admit as much, um, that you can't really draw a line between them. Sometimes people think of PIH, pregnancy-induced hypertension, or GH, gestational hypertension, as being a milder form of preeclampsia. But truly, there's a continuum, and you can't draw any bright lines between them. Mm-hmm. So, Sue, why do you think this is so important that we have this discussion about preeclampsia today? So, preeclampsia, or not just preeclampsia, but hypertension associated with pregnancy, specifically with pregnancy, is one of the top three causes of maternal mortality worldwide. In the United States, it's number two. Wow. Yes. And, and in fact, it's increased significantly in the last 10 to 15 years by maybe 25% or more. And as we talk about women that are prone, namely those that weigh more, some of them, yeah, that's probably one mm-hmm. contributing fact to the increase. Um, there are some variations among races, probably based on genetic issues, most of all. But, um, but the reason is because it's one of the top causes of maternal mortality. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty important for us to talk about this. So um, at the worst, uh, women can die Okay, yes. you just uh-huh. mentioned that. And what other problems can occur when you have preeclampsia? Yeah, so the first thing is the high blood pressure. And women who already have high blood pressure before they become pregnant are at increased risk for getting much worse high blood pressure. So they can develop preeclampsia more easily. But um, if someone who doesn't come into pregnancy with high blood pressure then starts to get some high blood pressure, then they may be developing preeclampsia. Not always do we call it preeclampsia. There are usually other things that we look for, like are their kidneys functioning uh, normally, or are they, is that changing it? Are their kidneys beginning to leak protein? Are they starting to get really swollen? You can have, uh, those are the three main criteria, but other things can happen. The blood clotting can go to you could go to pot basically and you can lose your ability to mm-hmm. clot normally. The liver can start malfunctioning. Um, you can actually develop renal failure. You can get pulmonary edema, which is fluid in your lungs, 
people familiar with COVID have been hearing about all the sick COVID patients who get pulmonary edema as one of their causes of mm -hmm. death. So, um, so all of these things can happen with preeclampsia. The more severe things lead to a, 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 a label of severe preeclampsia. The milder things, mild preeclampsia. Or again, the gestational hypertension. You know, again, there's a lot of flexibility. So I would just say blood pressure issues. Hmm. Yes, let's talk about preeclampsia. Okay, I have a question about that. If let's say someone does not have or uh, and hasn't had any high blood pressure at all, mm -hmm. they're pregnant, and suddenly now they have high blood pressure that is a could you know a, a lead to preeclampsia. Does that mean in the future that they may have a, a natural tendency towards high blood pressure in the future? Well, interesting that you ask that because yes, long-term women who develop preeclampsia are at higher risk for ongoing high blood pressure problems or the development later in life of increasingly worse blood pressure or cardiovascular problems, strokes, heart attacks, heart failure, all of that. So now the question is, was it caused by them having the preeclampsia or was it because they have a predisposition to those sorts of problems that they also got preeclampsia when they're pregnant? Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows actually the cause of preeclampsia. We can describe in great detail what happens to blood flow to various organs, all the laboratory changes, etc. But we nobody knows what actually triggers it and causes it. Mm -hmm. Well, either way, whatever it is, at least if that does occur when you're pregnant, then you should just pay attention that yes. this may possibly be a, a precursor to future problems. Yeah, you probably wouldn't avoid getting your blood pressure taken for years and years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got that. So uh, does preeclampsia affect the baby? I've always wondered about that. Yes, it does. And uh, it depends on what's going on. We think that one of the contributing factors is that the placenta function has changed somewhat and probably very early in pregnancy so that the stage is set even if the blood pressure problem doesn't show up until later. In fact, sometimes our first clue is the baby. So I have seen patients where I was just scratching my head over why is this baby's growth slowing down so much? Mm. Why is this baby not growing at the normal pace? It's going to be too small. It might be preterm. What's going on? You know, and I just scratched my head. Why could this be? There are lots of reasons. There are various underlying maternal problems like autoimmune disease, which also, by the way, increases risk for preeclampsia. Um, and, uh, you know, so there can be there can be infections, maybe. So we kind of go through the whole list. Well, what what are the various things that can cause baby's growth to lag? And we're puzzling over that. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, the mother walks in for her next ultrasound. And my goodness, <laughs> her blood pressure's through the roof. Oh. So she was actually she had actually developed preeclampsia. And because the baby was small, we would actually call it severe preeclampsia. And, and uh, it was going on behind the scenes so that we didn't see the blood pressure problem right away. We saw the effect first in the baby, and then we saw the blood pressure problem. Mm -hmm. So definitely affects the baby. That's why some babies, prematurity is a big problem, mainly because if the baby's not growing well and the mother has high blood pressure, the baby may not be getting good oxygen nutrition. The baby may be getting into trouble. The baby may need to be delivered prematurely for its own safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I hear saying is that, is it going to impact 
the um, the birth plan of the mother? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, how so would that yes. be so, impacted? So the, that gets into kind of what's the cure for preeclampsia, what's the treatment. There isn't any treatment to make it go away while you're pregnant. It's there. You just have to handle it and manage it so the mother and baby stay safe. And then the cure is delivery. Having said that, there are some cases of preeclampsia which goes to show why we, we still don't have a clue as to what really causes this, because there's some cases of preeclampsia where everything's so subtle until they're postpartum, then all of a sudden they go home and three days later they have a seizure, they come back in with extremely high blood pressure, they've just had an eclamptic seizure. They had preeclampsia, but they didn't have any obvious signs, even though they were in the hospital, you know, getting postpartum care for a day or so. Wow. Yeah. So um, what was your question again? <laughs> Good question. My question was about okay. Let you know they all. all oh yeah, the cure being yeah, delivery. Yes, yes. Yeah, so the, the cure is delivery. Impact, which is, yeah, yeah so delivery plan. A, yes, delivery plan. So if you need to be delivered because the mother is getting sick from the severe complications of preeclampsia, like effects on the liver or the mm-hmm. kidneys, or swelling in the brain and a seizure and that sort of thing or the baby is in trouble, not growing well, the placenta is not feeding or oxygenating the baby well, and so that baby needs to come out, well, baby won't tolerate labor maybe. Maybe the, uh, you know, if possible, we'd like to induce labor and have vaginal deliveries. So if the problems are just maternal and the baby's fine, even if the mother's very sick, we'd rather have a vaginal delivery. So we induce labor, but that can take a long time because the body wasn't necessarily ready. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you have to ripen the cervix. You have to force the body to go through all the steps it would be doing for days to weeks before an, uh, a spontaneously occurring labor. So, yes, and that means you're in the hospital. It likely means you're going to want some epidural anesthesia or some pain medication of some sort. You're going to be on IVs. You're going to be monitored continuously. The baby's going to be monitored continuously. So if you wanted the home uh, water bath or uh, water birth, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> that isn't going to happen. Not going to happen. No. Okay. But the thing with with managing uh, delivery like that is the reason those things are being done is for the mother's safety and the baby's safety. And all of the support functions, having a doula maybe, having a husband or, or a friend or family member with you, all of those things can continue to go on. And all of the emotional support and all of the happiness and looking forward to having a new family member of welcoming this new baby, all of those things, breastfeeding, all of those things can be supported very well so that your birth plan is not what you thought it was going to be in terms of the actual how things happened, but the whole the whole the whole overall structure and feeling can be can basically be the mm-hmm. same. Well isn't the main goal of a birth plan is to have a healthy baby? And a healthy uh, mother. Yes. You know, yes. but you know, I have talked with women who have had preeclampsia and while they were planning a vaginal birth, they ended up having to, an emergency C-section and they actually felt like they failed. Yeah, that's a that's something we commonly hear. And so as a physician, I do everything possible to try to change her mind. <laughs> she didn't fail. Uh-huh. No, because because delivering a baby isn't something you, I mean, it's a lot of work and you have accomplished something. Yes. But it's not like, it's not like saying, okay, I'm going to climb Mount Everest and I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to train and I know I can control these factors. Well, even climbing Mount Everest, you got the weather, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you may not make it because of the weather. Yes. Yes. So it's it's just part of life. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Uh, my daughter went through that and almost exactly what we've described here. And then it took a long time for her to feel like she hadn't failed. I said, sweetie, your number one goal was to have a live baby and a healthy mother. You accomplished that. That's right. But it took some time for her yeah. to, to, to get to that point. Yeah. So that's, everybody, I think, very That's common. one thing. Everybody focuses on the delivery. But there's uh-huh. so much of watching pregnancies now where we can get clues that something's starting to develop. And it's really important to be able to have that history of prenatal care so that you can um, so that you can find things early and maybe make some changes that will that will help the mother to, to accomplish what she wants to accomplish. Mm-hmm. By the way, one thing I should mention is that it is important to control a mother's blood pressure to keep her safe from say having a stroke or something. And although blood pressure doesn't fix preeclampsia, blood pressure management doesn't fix preeclampsia, and it's important to try and prevent seizures. So especially among women with severe preeclampsia, there are anti-seizure medications given. The most common and the most effective, it appears, is magnesium sulfate, which is given intravenously. And people don't feel that great on it. I've had women say, I feel like a log, because it makes your muscles feel weak while you're getting that intravenously. But, um, but those are important management uh, steps. So talking again about the, about the treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, how is, so if, if a woman has preeclampsia, she needs this treatment, does she come in for a stay in the hospital or does she come and go and get this treatment? So that's a good question. So in the early stages, if this is something that gradually develops, then uh, she's just got a lot more prenatal appointments. She's getting checked, her blood pressure, her blood drawn maybe to see if there are any effects on her liver and kidneys, and then lots of ultrasounds to monitor the baby. Is the baby growing appropriately? Is the baby showing signs of thriving, moving really well? And that's something the mother can monitor, by the way, is fetal movement. Um, But lots of ultrasounds of the baby. Is the blood flow to the baby's brain and the blood flow through the umbilical cord to the placenta working properly is, is is that whole because that's all necessary for getting oxygen from the placenta and delivering oxygen to the brain mm-hmm. so you those things have to be working well so there's a lot of sort of watchful waiting and then as soon as it gets to the point where mother or baby are in danger that's when you make a move so definitely lots of prenatal appointments lots of monitoring mm-hmm. is involved mm-hmm. Okay, circling back a little bit to, is there anything that a woman can do either before she gets pregnant or early into the pregnancy to say, I, need, I should be doing those, these things to prevent preeclampsia? Yeah, so once you're, once you're kind of on the road with pregnancy, there's nothing much you can do. Prior to pregnancy, since we know one of the risk factors is um, a high body mass index, We think that's one of the reasons that the incidence of preeclampsia has gone up in this country significantly. Um, Right now, it's up about 8% of all deliveries. So obviously, you know, maintaining a healthy lifestyle and normal weight is ideal. That's not always the easiest thing to do. Exercise, things like that, there's no evidence of anything that will reduce that risk of preeclampsia. I mean, the only thing really you can modify is your weight if you're overweight significantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, once you get pregnant and you are seen, if there are certain risk factors like maybe preeclampsia in in a previous delivery or even prior to that, you've never had a baby before, that increases your risk. 
or you have a strong family history of cardiovascular problems and high blood pressure, things like that. There, or you have an autoimmune disease. Maybe you have some lupus or arthritis or things like that. There are a variety of medical situations where we'd say, hmm, this means that you're at a little higher, at your higher risk for preeclampsia. Then there are those situations where we will start baby aspirin. There have been a lot of studies trying to reduce the effects of preeclampsia or reduce the incidence. They've tried calcium, they've tried diets, they've tried early detection with uh, all sorts of sophisticated lab tests. Nothing really pans out as reliable. But one thing that has shown up in a number of different studies recently is if you start the low-dose aspirin prior to 16 weeks of pregnancy. So that's early in pregnancy. If, if you're at risk, if you're at low risk, you shouldn't start it. But how do you know that you're, you're at risk or that the right risk factors are being assessed? The only way you know that is by going to the doctor and or going to your midwife and uh, having them review everything. They'll say, oh, here's the red flag. You're somebody that should take one baby aspirin a day for the rest of your pregnancy. It can be started later, but the effect is not as reliable if it's... Uh, as if it started before 16 weeks when it really um, it really can help. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that's been found to try and make a difference once somebody's gotten pregnant. Well, what does the aspirin do? So the aspirin prevents... <laughs> you're getting technical now. <laughs> yeah. So the aspirin prevents blood clotting at a very microscopic level. The main thing it does is it prevents platelets from sticking together. And so if you picture the blood flow to the lining of the uterus that's going to bathe all the fingers of the placenta uh, with maternal blood, maternal blood with lots of oxygen in it, that bathes those fingers of placenta, inside of which are fetal blood vessels where the blood is being pumped by the baby into the placenta. Then there's a transfer of oxygen from mother's bloodstream to baby's bloodstream and nutrition and some Mm -hmm. wastes are taken out and all that sort of thing. But anyway, those blood vessels that lead to the lining of the uterus, where that blood then has to pool around those fingers of the placenta, are very, very, very tiny. They're easily clogged. And so, oh, yes. And in pregnancy in general, we tend to, to get a situation where people can potentially clot more easily. Mm-hmm. In fact, so far, the number one cause of maternal mortality is actually blood clots. Really? Yeah. Yes, but that's a whole other story. Okay, yeah, that's another topic. That's another topic. But, <laughs> but, but um, if you think uh-huh. that they're at, at greater risk of forming blood clots and you've got these little teensy tiny spaces the blood and the red blood cells need to get through and you sort of clog them up a bit, mm-hmm. then it's less efficient. The placenta also doesn't get its nourishment in order to grow so that it can be the structure that truly effectively functions as an oxygen uh-huh. transfer organ to the baby. Uh-huh since the baby's lungs aren't working yet. (laughs) So basically, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is it serves as a blood thinner? Yes. Okay. And then, but when you're on that, you want to make sure that you let your doctors know. Well, the doctor is the one that should decide if you should be on it or not. Right. But I mean, other doctors, like if they go into the... Well, yeah, say you're in a car accident. Yes, yes. They need to know that you're on aspirin. Uh Yes. Okay. Because if you had... You know, you can be pregnant, be in a major car accident, and need major surgery. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to operate on you, and if you, you had abdominal trauma and your liver's bleeding, they need to know that you've been on aspirin mm-hmm. because it's going to be a lot harder to stop that bleeding. Mm-hmm. So okay. yes, it's it's important to let okay. other okay. other 
healthcare providers know. Okay, so pregnant women, if you get on that um, aspirin, that baby aspirin, make sure that your friends, your spouse, your partner, they know, that, they know that should right. you, they they need yeah, to yeah. talk to a doctor yeah. for other reasons. Somebody okay. would might have to talk to a doctor on your behalf. Sure. Yeah, that, that'd be a good idea. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So. Very good. Okay, Dr. Sue, if you had one message that you would want every woman to hear today about preeclampsia, what would that be? Basically that you can't control it. You can't be sure you're preventing it. You can't treat it yourself. You need to be watched closely. So you need to get prenatal care early, preferably the first trimester. It's really critical because if you show up halfway through pregnancy and your blood pressure is high, we don't know if it was high before, or and this is developing during pregnancy, or this is just the same as it always is. And the way you're treated is much different. And the risks for you and the baby are different. So the best way to have those clues that something that might affect you or might affect the baby is developing is to be seen regularly for prenatal care starting in the first trimester. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, lots of really good information. And so for any of you out there who uh, know someone who's pregnant or uh, maybe you yourself are or someone who's going or working on becoming pregnant, this is such a great episode for them to listen to. Uh, you can find out more information about preeclampsia at the 3W Medical website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, and the word medical.org. Then, while you're there, go to the top and click on the Wellness Wednesday tab on the menu at the top of the homepage. And on this page, you will find information links to the American College of OB and the CDC. Great information they have there for you on this topic. Also, you can join the 3W community by donating to the cause to assure that every woman in Seattle has access to a free medical clinic that does not make money from the choices she makes. So until next time, stay healthy and be well.